0: Good morning. Happy Easter. Good to see all of you. Glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, We are big on studying the Bible and God's truth. And the central truth of the Christian faith is that Jesus is risen from the dead. And the Bible tells us that whoever would believe that he's risen from the dead and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. And so we encourage you to examine and think with us this morning about the resurrection Uh, And why it matters and how it can change your life. Um, So this morning I'm going to look at the resurrection, why it matters. I want to talk a little bit about three things. First one is it declares Jesus to be the Son of God. Second of all, it guarantees power to live differently. And thirdly, it gives hope that there is more than just this here uh, right now. you know, one of the real skills of life, I think, is to know what matters and what doesn't. What we should get all worked up about and what we should not get worked up about. Um, this past week, I was getting my haircut, and uh, I said to the lady that was cutting my hair, said, now look, I'm a pastor, and I'm preaching to hundreds on Sunday, so you better make this haircut good. <laughs> and, and we know that. You know, there's no reason to get worked up about a haircut, unless you're my son who at age 14 got a haircut, looked in the mirror, and put his fist through the door because he didn't like it. Yes, haircuts really don't matter, but what does matter is the resurrection. It really does matter. And many of us today, right, will be more concerned about what we wear, more concerned about what we're eating this afternoon, right, more concerned about how we look today than we're concerned about the resurrection, Right, We get worked up about the wrong things, and so I want to draw us in to what really matters this morning. This resurrection matters today, it matters in your future, and it matters a billion years from now for you. Um, This is an important thing. So let's look at why it does matter. First of all, it declares Jesus to be the Son of God. It says in Romans 1 that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus claimed to be God. He said, I am the I am before Abraham was. I am, he says in John chapter 8. The Pharisees listened to him and he said that he was God's son. And he said, now we want to kill him because he claims to be equal with God. People knew what Jesus claimed to be. He claimed to be God. And he claimed it through rising from the dead. So let me just talk about a a couple, three of these things, these evidences, these proofs that help us decide for ourselves, because you have to decide for yourself whether this is true. Now, first of all, there was an empty tomb that's almost undisputed. Even amongst atheists, it's virtually undisputed. The tomb was empty. Even the enemies of Jesus, right?, They knew the tomb was empty because they were trying to come up with excuses for why it was empty. Surely somebody stole the body, right? Furthermore, these disciples came back into the city where the grave was and began to preach that Jesus was risen right near the grave. Now, if he wasn't risen, they wouldn't be preaching in that city. They would have gone somewhere else to preach their fallacy. But they preached it in the city where he was risen. Furthermore... As we read this morning in Mark chapter 16, the primary and first witnesses of the resurrected Christ were women. Now, that might not mean much to us today, but in the first century, that means a lot because women's testimony was immediately immiscible in the court of law because it wasn't reliable or trustworthy. And so if you wanted to have something that you were making up, right, a phony story, you wouldn't put women as your witness, But the Bible does, because it's true. And God has used women to testify first and primarily of the grave. So the tomb was empty. Second of all, Jesus' disciples had a real experience with Jesus, the one they believed to be the risen Christ. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that they came face to face with him. They actually ate with him. They experienced him, and furthermore, they became powerful witnesses of the resurrection because of what they had experienced. Now, look at Most of these disciples went on to die for their faith. Now, look it. If you know something to not be true, you might tell a lie about it, but you're not going to die for it. And these disciples, one after another, most of them went to their death Beaten, killed, persecuted for their witness of the resurrected Christ. Thirdly, um, this morning is another evidence. Um, the preaching of these disciples, which was, by the way, centered in the resurrection. Uh, Christian testimony began um, after the resurrection. They moved the services to Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. The whole foundation of Christianity was built on this Teaching that Jesus is risen, and the church took off. It just took off and exploded to the point where today we have 1.7 pe- seven billion people who will worship Jesus as the resurrected Christ. Today, um, I personally have experienced the resurrection power of Christ in my life, and many of you have too. And this powerful movement of the Christian church based on the resurrected Christ is inexplainable apart from the actual resurrection. Now look at everybody still has to make their own choice about these kinds of things. But you think about it, there really is no other way to really answer well these major truths that really virtually everybody agrees upon. The people that don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God don't necessarily think that this is fact, but they don't have another story. It is the story that answers these truths. And so we are compelled to say, Jesus, you are who you claimed to be. The resurrection is true. And if it is true, then we have to think about what that means for our lives. First of all, that Jesus is God, who he claimed to be. Second of all, Jesus said that the Bible is true. And that every little dotted I and cross T will come to be true. In the end, at some point, everything will be completely fulfilled that is written in the scriptures. And if Jesus is resurrected, then what he says about the Bible is true. And we can take it as God's word. Jesus said he's the only way to God. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's all kinds of religious options in our world today. Now, look, it, they can all be wrong, but they can't all be true because they're contradictory. And Jesus said the one that is true and the only one that's true is Christianity, faith in me. If Jesus is resurrected, he is the only way. If Jesus is resurrected, then we will all be accountable to him. It says in John 5, 22, that we will all be judged by him. And if Jesus is resurrected, and this is the best news, then we can live forever, every one of us in this room. you want to live forever? You can, because Jesus is resurrected. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So the resurrection proves that Jesus was the son of God. Second of all, the resurrection guarantees power to live differently let's listen to Romans chapter 6 verses 5 to 8 for if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Have you ever been or felt trapped or enslaved maybe even, as this verse just says, by your tendency to do things that you wish you wouldn't do? (laughs) This left you with consequences that are difficult to face and to deal with. With friends and family and your own personal finances, maybe all kinds of different ways. We just do things that we know better, but somehow we can't seem to stop doing them. You ever had that problem? The Bible says that's what sin does to us. And that the answer is to enter Jesus' death and resurrection. Then we are set free our sins enslave us they make us miserable they they cause our relationships to be broken and the only way to break the power of sin the bible says is through the resurrection that we put our personal faith in jesus and we literally die to our old selves and we're raised to new life that's the picture of baptism whenever we baptize somebody it's a way of escape from these things that hold us and just so frustrate us in this life you ever felt so trapped you just wanted to escape, right? I, I have this conversation with people an awful lot as I have coffee with them. You know, it seems like everybody sort of has an escape plan in life, right? Sometimes it's Alaska, right? I'm just going to, like, if this all goes wrong, I'm just going to Alaska, right? That's a pretty good one. Yep, that would be Robert's. <clears throat> if this all gets really bad, I'm going to go to California. I, I think that's a lesser <laughs> option, but some like that one, right? My personal favorite, I don't know if you've ever been in the San Juan Islands in Washington and taken a ferry out to the San Juan Islands. There's these islands that you kind of go by that are uninhabited. And I thought, you know, that would be an island for me if things get rough. I just go there, right? But you know what? There'd still be a person there that messed it up for me. It's not my wife. (laughs) It's me, right? Wherever I go... There I am. (laughs) Right? I don't escape my problems. My problem is me. Right? And therefore, the answer has to be in me. And that comes through personal faith in Jesus. Where we enter his death and die to our sin. It loses its power over us. When we see the love of Christ and what he did for us. And receive that love into our hearts. And receive the forgiveness that comes through him dying for our sins. The Bible says that we really literally break the power of sin in our life. And we receive a new heart. We receive resurrected life inside of us. We become new creatures it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold all new has come. And so the good news is is that you don't have to stay stuck in your brokenness. You don't have to stay stuck in those sins that hold you. You have the power of the resurrection to come alongside you. In fact, it says when we enter into Christ's death through personal faith in him, we literally become co-seated with him in the heavenlies where we have authority and power over the world, the flesh, and the devil to win and to live in a way that's good for us. But we can't get free because we're enslaved unless we put our faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. That's how we get free. That's the guarantee that we can be different. And when we put our faith in him, he changes our hearts. Our loves change. See, the Bible says that we are enslaved by our sin, but we are only enslaved because we actually love it. That's why we do it. You do the things because you want to do them. But God changes our hearts so that we now love differently. We love Jesus We see that he is the greater satisfaction in life. We see he is the greater pleasure. We see he is the greater treasure. That he is better than anything the world offers. This is what happens when we put our faith in him. And like it says in Hebrews chapter 11. That Moses looked at all the prosperity of Pharaoh in Egypt. And all the wealth he could have. And he said he considered it greater and better and more precious to love Jesus. And to give that all up. Because Jesus was superior to anything Pharaoh could offer I've experienced this in my life when and this was my unique call in life most people don't have this call when I gave up a career a corporate career and became a youth pastor took a $40,000 pay cut in 1990 and uh, you know it was easy for me because I love Jesus that didn't seem to even faze me I didn't care I just wanted to serve him that's what he was calling me to do And these days, uh, maybe you've experienced this too, the best parts of my life at least are getting to serve others and help others. I was out in front of my um, house this week and cleaning up a few branches and there was a neighbor with a monster branch that windstorm had tore down some big branches and it was getting dark and I could tell she's a a lady, she's a a single lady and um, and I could tell she was like going, "Uh, Kevin, I got a branch here. And so, um, (laughs) I can pick up a clue now and then. (laughs) So, I went over there, and this was the best part of my week, was just helping her in the dark clean up a branch. And, and, you know, I, I don't even know why I said it, but it just kind of felt like a good moment. I just, you know, we just really love you. And she said back to us, I just love you guys so much. It was just such a connecting point in our hearts. Those are the thrills of life to serve and care for others because Christ has changed our hearts. I'm a selfish pig. Without Jesus in my heart, I wouldn't have thought that way. And we can celebrate these changes daily. Daily. It's an amazing thing. I I went into Best Buy this week, and Mary sent me to get a little tiny TV set. I don't know about you. I love technology, right? So I get in there, and and I'm always thinking, okay, well, Mary sent me for this thing, but I'm thinking this thing, right? We'll get a new TV. (laughs) But I didn't, right? And I came out of there celebrating that I had restraint because I love Jesus and my wife more than that technology, right? Maybe it's today for you and Easter and all that amazing food that's ahead of you and uh, those treats and things and you'll say no to some of them, right? Maybe it's that family member that's going to say some sharp pointed comment to you and you'll be prone to get you one more time to get angry and get you spiraling down and you'll give them grace today, Maybe you'll want to be critical to your spouse or your kids today, but you will resist that. And here's what I do, right? Every little thing that is not me—it's Jesus in me, and I'm making progress, and all these things—I just celebrate them. I celebrate the resurrection. That's Jesus in me. That's the resurrection in me. That's not me. I'm selfish, <laughs> right? Celebrate, God! You've changed my heart. You've set me free. I know what I can be like. And because of the resurrection, I don't need to fear death. Jesus says that those who lose their life for my sake will actually find it. When you actually go, okay, I'll give my life away. I can die now because I'm safe in Jesus' arms. When we lose our life, then we actually find it. When we come to the place where we're not afraid of dying, now we can actually live right i I love this part of the country and i admire those who sort of risk their lives to do the adventures of the mountains i watch i watch people climb these cliffs in this city in this area and you you hear about people like to climb mountains in this area and they go to other places to climb them and it's like it's it's life threatening some of these things if something goes wrong you're gonna die in these sports some of them right but you don't really live until you go that's okay (laughs) <laughs> right you don't really enjoy those moments until you can say if I die that's just all right I don't want to I'm going to take safety precautions but I'm willing to take the risk to enjoy living in big ways and when we choose to live for Jesus it comes with great risk and great cost i got Kirk and Crystal over here they're going to go to Africa here later this year or next year and that's a whole lot riskier place than this safe little Salt Lake City right you don't live until you give your life to Jesus and can risk death. And because Jesus is risen and there is life after this, we can live like we've never lived before because we don't have to be afraid of death. It's an amazing thing. I mean, who, who wants to live their life safely cocooned in all the extravagances of the American culture, right? Never taking any risk, just collecting big paychecks and living comfortably, and ending up over here, nothing wrong with over here. This is a great place to go if you want to move there. Just sitting in a chair, drooling, safely, safely there, right? What a boring life. Let's live real. Let's live risking life because Jesus is risen from the dead. So it guarantees a, a power to live differently guarantees that Jesus is the Son of God, guarantees the power to live differently. And finally, it gives hope that there is more than this. There's more than just this. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ or died have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So it says, look it, if you die and Jesus is not risen. And you have faith in Jesus and he's not risen. You're to be pitied. If this is all there is, it's not worth it. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die, the Bible says. If that's your perspective. But it says, the next verse, in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead and therefore there is a future resurrection the Bible says that all of us will be raised because Christ has been raised that there will be something ahead every one of us most of our life and our existence will be in an eternity past this present place billions of years oh wait this is a short little Moment in time. And that really is good news. Does this world, does this place, does this experience that you're having right now, does it leave you a little bit less than what you want? Do you feel that in your heart? Are you honest enough to say that, right? You're going to get together with family tonight, today, right? And they're crazy. You know they're not all you want them to be. Fair enough? Some of them. It's hard, right? Your kids don't behave as well as you want to. Your friends don't stay with you like you want them to. Your jobs aren't as fulfilling as you want them to be. Your health isn't as good as you want it to be. You don't have as much capacity and capability and skill to do what you want to do. You always go, just not quite enough, right? Fair enough? You know what that is? That's a good thing. Because God says he puts eternity in our hearts in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He puts something in our hearts that wants more than this. And don't live for just this. This life can be so disappointing. We long for something more. Even when they're really, really good, we hope for more. And let me say it this way. When we try to make this life all there is and really bore down into what is here to try to make it satisfy our hearts, that's when we get into trouble. We take these temporary things and try to make them eternal things. When you try to get all the satisfaction you need in life out of your job, you'll kill yourself, right? When you try to get all your satisfaction you want out of that perfect family vacation, you ever ever set yourself up for that? I'm going to go on this perfect family vacation. It's going to be the ultimate experience, right? For me and my kids. We're going to drive 2,000 miles across the country in a station wagon or minivan or SUV. This could be perfect, right? End up in Disney World where it will be amazing. Yeah, you've done that. Ever said to somebody, you're going to be my best friend. We're going to be best friends. You'll suck the life out of them. Nobody can be that, right? When you try to make this temporary world your ultimate fulfillment... It'll kill you because it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be good. Enjoy it. Relax, right? Don't try to get too much of that out of that trip or your marriage or your kids or your job. Relax and enjoy the beauty of it. But be dissatisfied that it's not all you need or want or were made for. You were made for so much more in eternity with Jesus. I had a good friend of mine who was... Uh, Dear to me, he was a boss early on in my life, and he was going to retire early, and he was so looking forward to retiring early, and and he did at age fifty-four, which is shocking to me today because I'm older than that. I can't imagine being retired, <clears throat> but I remember he was so thrilled, and then he called me about three years later and said, "Kevin, this retirement isn't all as cracked up to be. I got to go back to work." <laughs> See, I, I, and he'd been dreaming about. This. I know he'd been dreaming about this for decades. But he got there, and it's like, this isn't what I want it to be. I remember uh, saying I do to my wife 36 years ago. And, uh, you know, I thought, boy, once I get married, my life's going to be perfect. And uh, we got in that car, rainy day in Seattle in December, pouring down rain, and they toilet papered our car, and the toilet paper turns to mush all over the car. and, <laughs> and uh, it was a small family wedding, but all my friends showed up in the balcony of this church, and I go, oh, I know I'm in trouble because they're just going to torture me. And uh, sure enough, they're trying to chase me, and off we go, Mary and I. And, and we finally broke through a couple of lights at the last second busy city of Seattle and got through and, and lost them. And I stopped at that next intersection, and I turned to her, and I said, you are all mine, all by myself. Life's going to be amazing. Right, And I'm thinking, it's going to be perfect. I've got this woman that I love. And she's amazing, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't as perfect as I was hoping for. <laughs> it wasn't long, right, before all those dreams of perfection were deep struggles as it goes. Because we were not ultimately and finally made to find our final satisfaction in our marriage. My kids grew up and they left. At least some of them. <laughs> sometimes I come back for a little bit we were made for something more made for something better made for something bigger you know Peter actually had this problem in the tr- story of the transfiguration Jesus transfigures himself and shows him his glory remember and, and it was a fascinating moment for the disciples remember what Peter said well let's stop right here let's build tents and just stop and, and dwell right here now forever Oh, no, 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 no. There's something way better ahead. So this has been a great moment, an important moment to see me in my glory, but we need to take no tents. Let's move on, right? Because we're made for something amazing, a new heaven and a new earth that one day we will have together. So when we sense a disappointment in this life, the resurrection gives us hope that there's more than this. And it's supposed to, right? I wake up most mornings in a good place, but just with a little ache that knows this day is going to be hard. Filled with some challenges, filled with some emptiness at moments that just are going to leave me wanting. And know that's a good thing because that's a longing for heaven. It's a longing to be with Jesus in a resurrected and perfect body. Let these things of earth point you to heaven. Revelation 21, 3 and 4 says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away, band, you can come on up. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's what's ahead because of the resurrection of Christ for us, a new heaven and a new earth. Yesterday, I had the great privilege of speaking at a funeral of a dear woman who loved Jesus, who had lived a full life. Grew up in uh, Europe during World War II. Saw bombs falling around her. Ended up in an orphanage. Um, her dad died in a concentration camp because he was protecting Jews. And this woman came to America, uh, found Jesus, gave her life to Christ, were raised eight children, and, uh, and now she has come to the end of her life. And uh, it's hard to say goodbye to somebody. And we look at a casket... And right, we go, that seems so permanent. right? But it's not. The hope is the resurrection. Jesus will raise that body right up on that day. right? And when she died, she immediately went into the presence of the Lord. That is the hope of the resurrection. But that casket and those moments are a reminder to us right, that we too will be there one day. And it's not long. This is just a short little time that we are here on earth. And then we will stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. So how are we going to live them, right? The resurrection says, okay, I'm going to be accountable to him. But it also says, I can live forever with him. And so we want to live our lives in a way, first of all, making sure we have personal faith in Jesus, right? If the resurrection is true, if the evidence is compelling, let's give our lives to him, Confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. Give your life to him. Don't waste it. You got one little life. And then let's make each day count. Because going fast. And what we do here matters for what our life in the future will be in all eternity. Don't miss this opportunity. This Easter, you're not here by accident today. God wants you to, to, to hear his voice and to hear his love and give yourself to him. Jesus is risen. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment here this morning and then just quietly in our hearts... Submit ourselves to Him. Whatever He has said to us, His Spirit knows each heart in this place and speaks to us privately. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you and to cleanse you, to change you, to give you a new heart, do that now. Say thanks for dying for me, Jesus. I give you my life. If you are wasting your days because you've been living for yourself, you've been comfortable. But you've been at the center instead of God. Ask him to come back. Be in the center of my life. Jesus, be my Lord. Oh, Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son. Thank you that he lived and he died. He was buried three days and he rose again. Thank you that he is truly the son of God. God, that we can be different. We don't have to be stuck in our broken places. And thank you that we can hope for something so much more than what we have even now. Thank you for what we have. You've blessed us us in so many ways. But there's something better ahead. Praise you, Jesus, for what you've done. Amen.